What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Wednesday, April 19th, 2023, as it's just after midnight here as we're breaking down a doozy of a Cardinals loss from Tuesday as Jordan Montgomery got shelled in this one. The fourth inning was his undoing, allowing six runs before he recorded even one out in the fourth inning. Ten total hits allowed tonight by Montgomery, seven runs on the outing, and the Cardinals lose it 8-7 to seven to the Diamondbacks despite a furious comeback effort that occurred there in the ninth inning as the Cardinals entered the ninth inning down 8-4, to four, and they end up losing it 8-7. to seven. Wilson Contreras, we're finally seeing him come around at the plate, so there's at least a positive aspect to take away from tonight's game for the Cardinals, but I think the overarching theme is the mounting panic uh, from the fan base as, once again, the Cardinals drop a game at Bush Stadium, 8-7 to seven to the Diamondbacks. Now they have dropped the first two games of this series against Arizona. They'll look to avoid the sweep on Wednesday afternoon at Bush Stadium. The vibes are not immaculate. The vibes are... Uh, struggling along right now for the Cardinals to say the absolute least about the situation as they can't get the combination of offense and pitching that they're looking for on a given night. But tonight on B-Shape Daily, we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about the offensive eruption that's come from a couple of players. Good games tonight from Wilson Contreras, and we'll give Paul Goldschmidt some credit as well for uh, the homer that he hit in the first inning of this game. So you, you see some good signs offensively of the Cardinals scoring in multiple innings, those sorts of things. Um, but it was sort of a too little, too late aspect to this one as, uh, yeah, Jordan Montgomery's start wasn't good. So we go back to the well on wondering about the Cardinals starting rotation and whether or not things can get better. And we see how long I can keep telling you not to panic uh, when uh, it's getting much more difficult not to do so. Uh, but tonight we got to hear from Wilson Contreras after the game, uh, some of the media in the Cardinals clubhouse, and I thought he gave some good perspective on why this team is not yet panicking. Like, you, you hear it from Ollie Marmel all the time, and I, I probably think it gets a little old uh, to hear it from him because a lot of Cardinals fans are saying, well, you're partially responsible. I know there are Cardinals fans who are down on him as the manager. I'm seeing some crazy things on Cardinals Twitter, on social media. Uh, Facebook is kind of always a cesspool, but uh, seeing some crazy comments on Facebook as well uh, from people really being pretty down on, on Ollie as the Cardinals manager. Uh, so we'll, we'll continue to talk about those things because I do think it's important. And I do think there was there were some things that I saw tonight that, listen, we're going to get the, the company line, I think, from the Cardinals and uh, whether it's players or the manager when we talk to them. Uh, you know, there are times where they're going to break from that. Ali Marmel did with the Tyler O'Neill thing. And a lot of people said, I didn't like that. I thought he could have handled that internally. So um, just keep that in mind when uh, his reaction to certain things isn't to your liking moving forward. It may be a case where, uh, if he takes the opposite approach, Cardinals fans are going to be upset because they think he should be keeping some of the turmoil, if there is any turmoil, in-house. And so uh, I do want to talk about a couple of the things that I saw. And, and one interesting play in particular, the uh, the play where Taylor Motter ran through second base and was ultimately ruled safe, which gave the Cardinals a run there. Uh, I'll have to go back and check on which inning that was. But that was a weird play. But it sort of fed into some of the things that I thought maybe if the Cardinals end up losing you know, in, in pretty ugly fashion rather than 8-7 and, and just falling short on the comeback bid. I thought maybe there might have been some more conversation about um, a, a player that I didn't think was hustling tonight. Uh, believe it or not, if you can still believe that after everything uh, 
uh, we've we've seen the Cardinals go through. So I might, I, you know, I, I, not to say guy wasn't hustling, but you know, I think the proof was in the pudding a little bit on on uh, a couple of the plays that we saw. At least one in particular. I can explain how the other one maybe not that big of a deal, uh, but it could have been if the uh, the rules were uh, interpreted a little bit differently. So. Going to break down my thoughts from the Cardinals game tonight, as, as we always do. Make sure you're subscribed, though, on YouTube, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. Uh, we finally got over 300 subscriptions, so that's super fun. Uh, but if you haven't subscribed yet on YouTube, and especially if you're watching here right now, take a moment, click the subscribe button, make sure you like the video, and comment below what you think. What can we do better? What do you want to see from this channel moving forward. And if you're listening just audio only on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you are subscribed there as well as we continue to uh, talk a lot of Cardinals baseball this summer. I hope it ends up getting a little better than it feels right now, but for right now, it's definitely a struggle for the home team. So let's talk about this 8-7 loss for the Cardinals, and we'll begin with the pitching performance by Jordan Montgomery. Struggled. I mean, uh, looked like he was going to maybe get through some of the early struggles in this one. Uh, again, Cardinals pitchers in the first inning having issues allowing a leadoff triple to Jordan Montgomery. This one goes to right center. Yesterday, we had Jack Flaherty allowing a big hit to left center to begin the game. Uh, for whatever reason, the Cardinals' first batter of a game, first inning of a game, it's been a struggle. But to Jordan Montgomery's credit, he was able to strand uh, that leadoff triple and end up allowing no runs there in the first inning. And the Cardinals actually bounced out front in this game with Paul Goldschmidt hitting a homer. I'll let you into a, a bit of a peek behind the curtain uh, up in the press box where the writers sit during the Cardinals games at Bush Stadium. Uh, we, we sometimes will say, okay, this is the pitch. I think somebody's going to hit a home run. And I made my call on Paul Goldschmidt on a 2-0 pitch tonight. Uh, and then that was, that was ball three. Did not end up getting a, a home run on that pitch. He did homer in the same at bat though. So I was like, man, I could have gotten some gotten some good credit for for that and uh, did not end up happening. But the full count pitch, it just felt like a, a moment there where if you're watching that Paul Goldschmidt at bat unfold, he, he it seemed like he was just very much in control of what was about to happen there. Uh, you got a young pitcher on the other side for the Diamondbacks. Uh, his name's Jamison. Uh, Dre Jamison didn't, I don't believe he made the rotation out of spring for Arizona, but then they uh, brought him up pretty quickly with an injury. And uh, he, he's been in the rotation since and has done a nice job for them. But I just felt like, man, you got a veteran in Goldschmidt, a young guy in Jamison who's 25 years old. Uh, Goldie's going to handle this at bat. And he certainly did with the full count pitch, hitting the home run, getting the Cardinals out to a one nothing lead in this game, which, uh, you know, you kind of thought, okay, finally, the Cardinals are able to strike first. That's been a bit of a rarity for them this season. Maybe part of the reason they've not been able to have a lot of success early in the season and so thought, okay, things are going to begin to work in their favor here. And then there was a play in the second inning that ultimately goes in the Cardinals' favor with Taylor Motter, uh, upon replay review, being ruled safe at second base. Um, and, and gosh darn it, we'll get into that. I, re I just remembered. I said I'm just going to talk about the pitching. So let's do that. We're going to get into uh, everything going on with the offense, but I do want to pivot here real quick and start with the pitching. Jordan Montgomery's outing. Yeah. That fourth inning was rough. There was one play in particular where Nick Ahmed hit a double on a pitch that bounced. And Wilson Contreras said, I have no idea how he hit that. Um, Ali Marmo was asked about it, and he wasn't in too good of a mood when John Denton asked it as the first question of the postgame show, tr trying to kind of say, hey, Ollie, you know, is that just indicative that a guy can hit a double on a curveball that bounces in front of the plate, and then he swings on the bounce and hits a double out of it? Is that kind of indicative of uh, the, the luck the Cardinals have been having lately? 
and Ollie didn't really know what to do with that question, and I think he was just a little little perturbed at another loss by the Cardinals, so uh, didn't didn't seem like he was in the mood for maybe a fun-loving answer to the uh, the fact that a guy like Vladimir Guerrero, I'm not talking junior, but senior, it seemed like that's something that he would used to do, um, swing at anything, and this one, this pitch got swung at, and it goes for a double. And that was part of the fourth thing that really was the undoing of Jordan Montgomery. He gives up 10 hits in the game. Uh, a lot of them came in that inning. Six of the runs came in that inning in the fourth before he was able to at all get anything uh, going in the inning because he didn't have an out when those six runs scored. And so it was a rough go. Um, you know, after the game, Ollie said, oh, he's throwing it good. And then obviously things get away from him in the six. Like he, he might have been throwing it good up until that point. Um, pardon me, not the sixth, but the fourth. When It was a six-run fourth. Uh, had given up a run in the third, gave it back. The Cardinals were up 2-1 to one then, and then the wheels come off in the fourth inning, and it's punctuated by uh, what I believe was a three-run home run. Uh, the, the Nick Ahmed double happens that inning, and then Gabriel Marino with a three-run shot to make it 7-2, to two, and that was pretty much, you kind of thought at the time, going to be the death knell for the Cardinals, although the offense did mount a charge late in the game. That those kinds of innings just can't happen, right? You can be throwing the ball tremendously, but it doesn't. I mean, if you give up a six run inning, you were doing something that was probably not to your liking. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Um, and I was over talking to Jordan Hicks when uh, Jordan Montgomery spoke, so I don't know what he had to say about it after the game. But nevertheless, it's just it's a struggle. It's a continued struggle for the Cardinals starting rotation, um, not being able to get the job done. And I thought, again, I thought Jack Flaherty was good yesterday. Ultimately goes six innings, gives up four earned runs. That's not a great box score, and uh, it, it ultimately costs the Cardinals in that one on Monday. Tuesday's really no different. You have the one inning that gets away from you, and uh, to have it get away in such a significant way, disappointment for the Cardinals, disappointment for Montgomery for a guy that had been, I think, coming into this game with a little bit of momentum, feeling like he was one of the more stable starters of the rotation. Now the ERA for him Balloons up to two point, uh, pardon me, four point eight four. The record is two and two. He takes the loss in this game. Does Jordan Montgomery as uh, he left in uh, in this one before getting through uh, a fifth inning, giving up seven runs. It's just more of the same, right? And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's something that you can expect to continue the entire season long. It's getting more difficult, obviously, to say, "Oh, just be patient with the rotation," like. I think be patient with the offense. I, I I do feel like, and I'll explain some of the things that Wilson Contreras said to sort of give you that mindset of, well, this is a group that knows they're going to be able to come through, and and right now the ball's just not bouncing their way. There will come a day, and it may not be that far in the future if this sort of play continues and the losses keep piling up for the Cardinals, but there will come a day, not that long from now, where we we have to reckon with the fact that it's no longer early in the season, right? Because we keep saying it's early, it's early, things are going to get better. They're too talented for the things not to get better. And right now that's still true, right? It's April 19th as I talk here at 1220 a.m. It's April 19th. The Cardinals are 7-11. and 11. Um, That's not great. 
There are other teams, though, if you look around baseball, and I know some of them maybe improved tonight, like the Dodgers uh, were, were hovering, I think, about a game below 500, and they beat the Mets tonight. Um, there were a lot of those kinds of teams, though, and I, I'm, I'm looking for the tweet now, uh, struggling with a little bit of technical difficulty. I can't get it to pull up on my computer. But there have been several teams that I tweeted this out earlier from a, a retweet from one of the Cardinals fan accounts. It's the Tyler O'Neill guy. I would give him full credit. I think it's uh, Broneal, something like that. But I can't find the tweet. But he had listed some of the teams that you would expect to be legit playoff caliber teams. And teams like the Dodgers were on that list. Uh, here it is. Broneal season on Twitter. Dodgers, Astros, Padres, Mariners, uh, all below 500 coming into today. And the Angels at 8-8 eight and eight coming into today. Although the Angels maybe are not that juggernaut team until they prove that they are. But I think all those other teams, especially the Padres, Astros, and Dodgers, are three teams that you expect to maybe ha be be pushing for 100 wins, right? It's certainly going to be in the, the mid-90s level and, and shoe-ins to make the playoffs. That's kind of the way those teams are viewed. Well, they've started out slow as well. Now, the Cardinals have started out a little slower, and they did not bounce back today uh, like a team like the Dodgers did. The Astros and Padres, I believe, both, both lost. I know the Mariners did because, well, the Brewers just cannot freaking find a way to lose, which also is probably frustrating to Cardinals fans right now with the way things are going in St. Louis. But I think the point of that is, like, you're not even 20 games through the season. Pretty soon you will be, and then you'll be able to take that as the sample and the data point that it is. Um, but but even then, you know, 20 games, 25, 30, there will come a point where we can't use the excuse that it's early anymore. And when that happens, I'll let you know. I'll let you know when I'm on board with that anyway. You guys can, you guys can pick any moment you want to be that moment. You can decide already that, well, it's not early and I'm off, I'm off this stuff for good. I don't believe in this team. That's fine. It's, it's your right to do that. Um, I, I do think it's more fun to, to hold out a little bit and to know that you stuck through some of the, the tough times. And I do think with this team, there are going to be times that are, that are better than this. Um, but I guess I don't know that for sure, right? Like there are glaring issues with this roster and, and pitching, starting pitching in particular is number one with a bullet at this point. Uh, because while I do think Jack Flaherty has been solid and the numbers will bear that out, even though he, he didn't have the box score that he wanted from himself yesterday, I think he's been pretty good. Is it is it, you know, top five Cy Young caliber candidate, legit ace pitcher? Maybe not, but I think he's a fine number one and could potentially develop and improve himself, hone himself a little bit more into the type of ace that you go into a game one in October and you feel good about him being on the bump. Um I, I still think that has the potential to happen for Flaherty because the key for him, he's healthy right now. I really do think he's not dealing with uh, physical, and that has not been the case for really each of the, the what, the last three years, 2022, 21, and, and even 2020. Uh, I don't call it physical, but they really held him back a lot with COVID, and so we didn't get a chance to see him unleashed in that year. So this is really the first year in a long time that we're seeing Jack Flaherty just be able to go out every fifth day and do his thing. He's he's still working through some stuff just in terms of uh, honing the command to where he wants it, but I feel like for the most part that was there yesterday. So I look at Flaherty and I say, that's not a spot in the rotation that I'm worried about. We have higher expectations for him because we've seen it before, but that's not a spot in the rotation that I go, oh boy, what are the Cardinals going to do there? I think we know what they're going to do, and I think Jack Flaherty is ultimately going to be just fine. Elsewhere, you look at Jordan Montgomery, and I was thinking that he could maybe cement himself into that category as a guy that they would trust and that they would know what they're going to get from him every fifth day. Uh, but he's had a couple of outings that that didn't really go that way. He is n normally a guy that's going to eat innings for you. That's the expectation. And to go only four and give up seven tonight, I mean, he took the Cardinals out of this game with the way he pitched. There's no there's no sugarcoating that. 
Um, you can say, well, we really like the way he threw the ball until, you know, like just because a manager doesn't come out and rip a guy's performance in a game doesn't mean that there uh, wasn't a lot of ways to improve. You give up 10 hits, yeah, some of them might end up being a double that was uh, was skipped in there on a curveball that nobody should have had any business swinging at, but he does and he gets a double out of it. And so the luck is going to go against you sometimes, but uh, gives up a pretty big home run there to Marino. Uh, that costs you three runs and, and those pitches count too. So yeah, Montgomery was in a spot where he did. He cost the Cardinals tonight, and uh, you you got to have more competitive outings from your starters. There's 162 games in a season, so his season's not over just because of the fact that he didn't get it done tonight, but they're going to continue to build that sample size. All these guys in the rotation are, and uh, for Montgomery, this was a, a data point that you don't like to see from a guy that you really do consider to be one of the workhorses that can get you six or seven uh, most of the time he goes out there. This was a clunker for Jordan Montgomery, without a doubt. And I, I do think part of that is, and it's only a minor part of that, because of the six runs that he gave up in the uh, the fourth inning, you know, that's really what's going to be the headliner. But I do think there is some small part of it that the first inning situation, while it was nice for him to work out of it, you'd like to see the Cardinals find some starter that's going to give him a clean first inning. One, two, three, get, get the bats ready to go and move on from there. Again, the D-backs did not score in the first tonight, but that's just frustrating to see extra base hits to begin the game, like three of the last four games, I think that's happened to the Cardinals, Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday, was at least a double to begin the game, two triples and a double in those three games. That's just not, it's not sustainable to continue putting your, whether it's your defense or your offense in a bind. Uh, defense was was helpful in making sure Monty could get out of it today, but in other days, it didn't happen. You give up a run, and now you're in the hole. Your offense can can take that into the batter's box. You don't want them to. They probably should be able to rise above it, and they would never admit that it's happening. But like I've said before, I can't blame human nature and say, well, it's it's something that you could be considering that's happening to these guys. Um, but for the most part, like tonight, they were resilient, right? And so we'll talk about the offense and continue to get into that play that happened in the second inning. Like I mentioned, Goldschmidt really felt like in the first inning he was going to get his job done, and he owned that at bat, uh, was able to get the home run to get the Cardinals on the board. And then the second inning was the weird play that happened. So the Cardinals teach this, right? When you have a chance to run through the bag at second base, as long as you beat it, as long as you beat the force out, when there's a runner on third, two outs, the run can score as long as you get there. And so Taylor Motter did exactly what they teach, what the, the Cardinals we've seen Nolan Gorman do this. He did it last year. Um, it's something they do intentionally. He runs through the bag. But what happened next was, to me, he was tagged, <laughs> and then he made his way into shallow left center field. Like, he literally just kept running. Um, but the umpire at second base called him out. And so he's out, and the way the rule works is my understanding. That means the play is basically dead after that. And we saw after Motter ran all the way into left center field, I mean, he was – a good dozen to 15 feet in the outfield grass, he sort of began to saunter back towards second base because a lot of times what we see the guys do is they go back to the base because the Cardinals or whatever team they're on, they might end up wanting to review the play and you got to be standing on the base. It's kind of like in the NFL, you see after an incomplete or whatever, they call it a fumble. You pick up the football anyway, because if they, they want to reverse the incompletion to a fumble, then you know who recovered it and you can prove possession. I guess it doesn't work that way in this instance, though, for baseball because they ruled Taylor Motter safe, like straight-up safe. What I assumed was going to happen was they were going to say, well, did he beat the throw to the bag? And if we got that one wrong, when did the tag occur? Because it was pretty clear to me that the infielder slapped the glove on him as he was running by into the outfield. 
And so if that's the case, you have to time it up and say, all right, did Tyler O'Neill, who was the runner coming from third, get to home plate and cross it before the tag was applied to Taylor Motter running beyond second base? To me, that would be the very NFL way of, of ruling that. And you'd have to sync up the cameras and try to find the angles, which I don't think baseball is as uh, as keen on doing necessarily as the NFL. Sometimes you get these replay angles in baseball, and it should be obvious what they need to look for, but they simply don't have a camera angle of it. And so I wish I wish there would be infinite cameras so that we didn't have to worry about that. If you're going to do replay, do it right by just having a, a camera on every possible angle. I know these things are expensive, the cameras, but it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. I think you can afford the cameras uh, MLB should just make sure to do that. But I know it's always like the broadcast team, the uh, the actual networks that are responsible for the cameras, and it's kind of a weird conglomeration sometimes. Nevertheless, I thought that was going to be the situation, that we were going to look at, okay, did the did he like, – because he did. He beat the throw. That was going to be evident on replay. It was a close bang-bang play, but it seemed evident that Taylor Motter beat the throw. And so that was safe, but did Tyler O'Neill cross the plate in time? And that's what I was going to mention about whether you want to call it hustle, effort, whatever – there was two base running plays in the same inning that Tyler O'Neill did not show the level of hustle or effort that I thought he should. And that's almost crazy to me when you think about the fact that we've gone through this already uh, and it was a whole to-do with Ollie Marmel and, and it was uncomfortable for everybody, right? And I'll say this, when all that was going down, I didn't think Tyler O'Neill was dogging it. Like, I, I, I came away from that thinking, man, I think he overthought a situation he had he had a lot of different things that were going through his mind in that moment, and so I gave him a I gave him a pass on B Shave Daily. I talked about it and said I think I'll buy the explanation that man he just kind of overthought it and didn't allow his natural ability to take over. It wasn't being lazy. It wasn't dogging it to me. It was just not allowing his ability to take over and execute and just flat out run the way he's capable of doing. Um, you know, and, and people might disagree with that. That's okay. It's over and done in the past. But what happened today was was. I don't know how else you call it. I mean, he thought he hit a home run, and so he was sauntering around first base. Um, he was halfway to second base. He had still not picked up the speed. You can go back and watch the video. Like, I'm comfortable saying this. I love Tyler O'Neill, but it's just, I mean, we can say, we can call it what it was, right? And he ends up at second base with a double on what undoubtedly should have been a triple because the ball caromed off of the outfield wall and back toward the infield, giving a guy with Tyler O'Neill's speed ample time. But he never really did get into anything beyond like third gear. Go back and look. I'm comfortable saying it because it just is what it is. It's not the end of the world. It was a great hit by Tyler O'Neill. He thought he might've gotten all of it and, and hit the home run. But you would think if a guy just had this whole situation play out, you might be a little more on your P's and Q's. And in that situation, he wasn't. It is what it is. Not the end of the world, but we can call a spade a spade. But then interestingly, and I don't blame him as much for this because it's a very unusual play and it ultimately doesn't, end up becoming a factor because if there's a forced out at second base and you're running from third to home, it doesn't matter when you cross to home plate, you don't score. It doesn't, the run doesn't count. And if they do beat the play, you do score. There's really no circumstance in which it would be any different unless they initially call you safe. And then the tag is applied and you haven't crossed home plate yet. That would matter. Um, but with the out call initially, I think the way it's ruled is if they overturn it and call you safe, you get to go back to the bag because it's a dead ball after they call you out to end the inning. Like, there's nothing left to be done in that inning, and so it's okay if you're off the base. It's okay if you're in left field, I guess is the interpretation because that's where Taylor Motter was. So, like, there's no other way to have, have ruled it. Um, the tag after the fact didn't matter. The little game that they played uh, 15, 20 seconds later, like, Taylor Motter took a long time to get back to the base, but then when they did, right before he got in there, 
the infielder took a throw from like the third baseman or whoever had the ball at the time and tried to tag Motter again just to like say, hey, we officially did tag you in case replay shows you were safe initially. Now you're out. Um, that's what the infielder was going for. Motter was back on the bag before that tag was applied, but they were, it was a little cat and mouse game. Uh, and so if all that had mattered, which it apparently didn't, again, because I, I, I guess it couldn't have if they ruled that Taylor Motter was safe because, again, he had been tagged right after the play happened right after the out was called to second base, I'm almost dead certain, unless they didn't have an angle of it, that the infielder tagged him as he was going by. So if if it would have come down to that, I think he would have been ruled safe initially, but then out in in, in the inning would be over because of the tag. And then they would have had to have determined, did Tyler O'Neill cross the plate before the tag was applied? It didn't end up coming down to that. But I got to tell you, if it had come down to that, Tyler O'Neill was kind of walking to home plate, took a, took a couple of last couple of steps and they weren't, uh, necessarily very crispy. Again, that's a very typical way to see a guy going to home plate, so I don't think that's a, as big of a deal. I do think, whether you think you hit a home run or not, man, it's kind of like the same thing that Ollie said a couple of weeks ago when it comes to, well, maybe O'Neill didn't think he was going to be sent around third by the third base coach, Pop Warner. And Ollie said, well, it's not really his judgment call to make. That's why he's got a coach standing over there. Until you see the ball go over the wall, again, if we're going to talk cardinal way, and it sounds kind of asinine because... In 2023, there are a lot of things that happen from a lot of guys in a baseball game that don't personify hustle, right? But if it was Tyler O'Neill that all this was just revolved around and he had an opportunity to turn two into three, you know, that he would have already scored long before the Taylor Motter situation had he been on third to begin uh, to begin the whole sequence. Instead, he was on second and everything evolved from there. Not the end of the world. Not a big deal, but I did want to talk about it because I almost just couldn't believe that it happened when all all of the stuff pertaining to O'Neill had been going on earlier in the week. Um, the guy's a freak athlete. Who am I to sit here and say somebody didn't hustle, right? I'm just a Jim Oak watching the team, writing about the team, talking about the team. But like I said, uh, I feel like that's something that people were probably seeing as they, as they watched the game. I, I couldn't help but notice it. Uh, when it happens. So it's what it is. Again, it's not the end of the world, I don't think. But it is one of those things that if the Cardinals end up losing that game 8-4 to four or 8-2 to two or whatever the case would have ended up being, you feel, I think, a little differently about some of the effort level stuff. And that's where, like, I don't know the point at which it would seep into my brain that Ali Marmel has lost the clubhouse. But I got texts from multiple people during this game tonight going, hey, do you think Ali Marmel has lost the clubhouse? Because what we're seeing out there isn't what I'm used to seeing with the Cardinals. I think it's fair that what we're seeing at times with this team is not as crisp as the the Cardinals say it is, right? Like, they're going to have the company line. We're going to say, well, with our eyes, sometimes we're seeing it differently. And I think they're so talented that when things do get rolling offensively, we're going to look at this like a bad dream, this part of the season's good. But it's just like there is an argument, I think, to be made that some of the way that they are going about it, and I don't have any other specific instances, but it just doesn't feel like, the crispness is in their game the way that it would be if they were rolling and winning games, if that makes sense. And sometimes you have to manufacture the way to get to that point with your game. And I feel like, yes, home runs can do that. And like Wilson Contreras hit two home runs tonight, and that helped to spark a little bit of a rally late in this game where you had Bush Stadium crowd into it. You had a chance. You had the tying run on base. All of those things were true. And sometimes it's a, it's a home run that, that helps spark that. But other times, it can be hustle plays. It can be the little things. And I don't feel like right now the Cardinals are a team that is going to bust out of the slump or out of the losing skid that they've sort of been in in recent weeks. 
I don't think they're going to bust out of it without just hitting the hell out of the ball and mashing because the level of crispness to the rest of their game and defense has been pretty good. But man, some of the base running things, I don't think it's an aberration at this point. If we've said it a number of times this year, it's like, I think they there there are good base runners on this team. I think they've got to they got to tighten it up if they want to be able to consider that an advantage of their game, a way that they have an advantage over the rest of the league. Right now, again, you might say that Brendan on these podcasts is not overly critical, and he ends up taking too much of a too much of the side of a team that's seven and eleven right now. A lot of times, I do try to look at the positive side of things and say, "All right, here's why something happened. Maybe you're upset about it as a fan, but I'll explain it this way or that way." But there are going to be times like today where I go, hey, here's what I've been told by a bunch of Cardinals fans that they're seeing and they don't like it. And I'm examining it myself and going, all right, here's a play where I can point out and say, yeah, that nobody's going to defend the hustle on that play. You don't have to to burn a guy at the stake for it. It's not a life or death situation. It's still a baseball game. And so keep your criticisms, I think, uh, as grounded as you possibly can. But at the same time, can we say that, you know, O'Neill was not hustling? on a play that he thought he hit a home run and instead it was a uh, a ball that went off the wall. Yep. It's just, it, it is what it is. It's a fact. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on that whole situation. Um, but the Cardinals end up feeling a lot better. I think about this game. Like I said, if it was eight to three, you're looking back at this game going, man, it was ugly. The Cardinals had so many moments where they weren't crisp um, beyond just the pitching being a struggle. But at the end of the day, they end up losing this game eight to seven and they show some signs of life in a couple of different ways late. One of those ways was obviously offensively. Wilson Contreras over his last three games has six extra base hits. And people, and, and maybe this could be a good illustration, kind of a microcosm of what's been going on with the Cardinals. Do you remember, I don't know, four days ago, how everybody felt about Wilson Contreras and his season? Some of the tweets I've been saying, I mean, people saying this guy's washed, he's no good. It's a waste of a five-year contract. I mean, all of these crazy things. You good with Wilson Contreras now? Can that be an example? I know it's frustrating to watch bad baseball night after night sucks, and you guys are all invested in this team. But can you at least acknowledge, all right, I thought Wilson Contreras was cooked, and it turns out the dude's pretty freaking good at baseball. Could that be a possibility? I'm just asking because four doubles – Two home runs in the last three games is, is the tally, I believe. Has a stolen base in there, threw out a runner somewhere in there, trying to steal a base. Like, I think he's going to end up being pretty pretty darn good for this team. Going to take other guys to get there as well, and that's why I thought it was a good sign to see Goldschmidt uh, get one to go out of the yard tonight. Arenado got the night off until he pinch hit in the ninth inning. Uh, that didn't end in a, in a fruitful way for the Cardinals, but I feel like the talent is certainly there with this team uh, you've got a few guys slumping right now. Like we can talk about how Jordan Walker hasn't hasn't looked as as crisp over the last ten days or so. Uh, he got the night off tonight as well, and the the you know it's good for him I think to to not necessarily be run out there every day when he's struggling. Like you want to ha- you want to have him play probably five days a week, but he doesn't have to play seven. And you do have other guys in that outfield that I think are deserving of seeing what it looks like for them. And uh, you know Tyler O'Neill. Is, is definitely one of those guys uh, with what he's capable of doing to a baseball uh, and the way he's capable of playing left field. I mean, he had a couple of nice swings tonight and ends up going two for three, scoring a couple of runs and walking twice. So that's the kind of day for Tyler O'Neill that can get him jump-started. He absolutely should be in the lineup tomorrow. Like, there's no reason. I, like, we, I spent probably longer than I should have harping about whether or not he hustled on a, on a play. 
really the takeaway from that is the swing that produced the double, he's seen the ball well right now. He was on base four times, and he made a hell of a play in left field to throw out a runner at second base. Dylan Carlson made a great play in center field as well tonight. So you like seeing those guys where they are. Carlson should be in center field every time he plays. O'Neill should be in left field every time he plays. Um, unless it's a situation where you've got Burleson and Walker as the two other outfielders, that's fine. If O'Neill's in the lineup that day, he's your center fielder. There's no doubt about that. Um, but Carlson's your best defensive center fielder. Tyler O'Neill is your best defensive left fielder. It was a good alignment that they had out there tonight, and I think they reaped the benefits of that on some of the plays uh, that, that happened out there. But that being said, the Cardinals are going to have to try and manage and mix and match, and it's going to be dependent upon the, the pitching matchups and all of that. They've still got five outfielders for three spots out there, and so that's not uh, necessarily an easy one to solve. Brendan Donovan was scratched, though, from the game with a, uh, a contusion, I think. he Ollie Marmel said he got it sliding, and then it was kind of infected, and so uh, something on his leg, I believe it was. So that's kind of bothering him. He was scratched from the lineup late. If he's not able to go on Wednesday either, then you maybe get to see Alec Burleson again in the lineup, getting to DH. Uh, it worked out tonight, too, that Nolan Gorman could play third base. Uh, Taylor Motter, I think, ended up playing third base. I might have to, to scratch myself on that. Originally, it was supposed to be Gorman playing third, but then when Donovan was scratched, uh, Gorman ends up as, at second base and Motter played third. But I feel like you could have a situation where Getting Burleson at DH would allow all the other really quality defensive outfielders to get into the game. Uh, Newpar was in right field tonight. I would say if I had to guess, and I don't know offhand the pitching matchup, uh, so that could change it. But with the way Tyler O'Neill swung it tonight, I'd have him in my lineup on Wednesday afternoon. I would have Walker back in there on Wednesday afternoon and uh, probably Newpar. So maybe it ends up being Dylan Carlson unless they're facing a lefty on Wednesday. And I guess I could, could try to look that up because that would be the one thing that could change it. Um, but... You do have a lot of difficult decisions on a day-to-day basis with uh, who's going to fill out that outfield. But I do think with with the guys that they have, they've got enough talent out there. They've got enough talent at the corners, behind the plate. They've got talent. I think this offense is going to be able to click. Wilson Contreras talked about the mentality that this team has and the fact that they are trying to stay the course. They, they trust that they have a process. And Wilson said, hey, I've been on good teams and I've been on bad teams before referencing the Chicago Cubs. He was with the world championship team, but he also saw a lot of lean years in Chicago. But he said, like, he knows that this group knows what to do and the vibes in the clubhouse are good. He said, you know, you guys have been in here. You see that this isn't a a place of hulking and sulking after losses. And I think that's fair. I think it's not, I don't feel the weight of the clubhouse when you're in the room just yet. There are times when you do. There are times over the past six or so years of me covering the Cardinals that that you, you go, oh boy, nobody wants to be in this room. I don't think it's gotten to that point yet. I think they are going to just continue to commit to their process. Now, there could come a point where there is frustration team-wide when it comes to the starting pitching because the rest of the team could be doing its job, but if the starting pitching doesn't, ultimately there's nothing the Cardinals can really do. I don't think that they're down on their starters yet because they know that each of these guys individually has uh, some sort of pedigree. And I had kind of gotten into a conversation about the rotation earlier on. And as I do, I got a little sidetracked. But I mentioned what I said about Flaherty. I mentioned Montgomery. Michaelis, you know, he's got a track record. It hasn't looked as good so far this year. But the odds are that it will kind of get back to what you're used to seeing from Michaelis. You're just waiting for that first eight-inning outing, right? That first seven-inning shove that Michaelis has given the Cardinals with, you know, efficiency in the past. 
You're waiting for that to really get the, the ball rolling. Uh, you haven't had Adam Wainwright in the rotation. You're going to pretty soon. He's supposed to throw in Springfield on Wednesday night, and he's going to be at around 60 pitches, and that could be enough to just get him right back to the big leagues um, five days after that. So we'll see how quickly he's able to return to the rotation. Um, but, like, I do think the guys are there. Steven Matz is a question mark. Like, he does have a pedigree from the past, but last year wasn't good, and this year has not started off very good. And so um, you're going to kind of say that the jury's out a little bit on what he he might be able to bring to this team. Um, but he does – he has shown good stuff at times, and so I still think whatever his ERA is right now, it's it should improve. Like, each of these guys should be able to, to do better than they've done. But there will come a point where it's not early anymore. For me, that might not be until maybe another month or so. I'm thinking six weeks. You get to mid-May. You see what it looks like then, and then you can really start freaking out. Now, if they lose 20 games between now and then, somewhere in the middle of that 20-game losing streak, I'm going to go, all right, cut it off here. I'm, we're going to start panicking about this team. Um, but as long as they're just kind of muddling along and treading water the way they are right now, you know, handful of games below 500, I still think that keeps them within range to be able to bounce back when they need to. Um, but you do got to keep an eye on the Brewers, too. Those guys, are they continue to win games. They, they won in extras uh, tonight against the Mariners, and, and if they don't lose, then it gets a lot more difficult for the Cardinals to make up any sort of ground against them. They're playing a lot better than I expected them to. Uh, their pitching staff is, is deadly. I think that's the strength of their team. Uh, I've been surprised, though, with how well their offense has performed. Uh, I just don't, I don't think they have the amount of dudes in their lineup that the Cardinals do, but right now we're seeing otherwise because they're, uh, they're atop the division and the Cardinals are uh, near the bottom if not at the bottom. So those are the things that we're kind of looking at when it comes to the Cardinals right now. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. At B. Schaefer 12 on Twitter. Make sure you uh, comment as well on YouTube if you've got thoughts about this team. YouTube.com slash at B. Schaefer 12 is where you can watch uh, everything going on over there. I do want to mention one other thing. I know I kind of go stream of consciousness, and, and sometimes that could be a little bit discombobulated. So, let me know if, if that really does bother you. I probably won't be able to fix it, but uh, you can at least let me know and say, hey, try to try to tighten it up, kid. Uh, but I did want to bring up Jordan Hicks because he did look different tonight, and that was another thing that Wilson Contreras mentioned as well, uh, just in addition to the general vibe of the clubhouse. And something I wanted to touch on with that, as I completely go stream of consciousness, I think of things and go, yeah, this is important. Um, Ali Marmel mentioned that around the seventh inning, Paul Goldschmidt said, to him, like had a conversation about the frustration, like this is frustrating, but we're going to come out of it. It's not, it's not like the guys in that clubhouse are worried yet. And so we didn't talk to Goldie. I think a couple of the riders may have done so, but I had to get home tonight was a night that I couldn't afford to stay uh, till midnight at the stadium. And so I don't know what Goldsmith may have said to anybody if they got a chance to talk to him, but I imagine it would be reiterating what we heard from Ollie, which is that, Hey, We've got confidence. The leadership has confidence that this team is going to be able to turn things around. And Wilson Gutierrez said, I see the veterans around the clubhouse and the guys who have been here before. And uh, I, it, it helps me, and even as a veteran, he says, it reminds myself to kind of keep that that cool mentality, not get too up or down. Um, you know, obviously, when, when things are going well, he's a fiery, emotional player, and he'll get up. But I think he's done a nice job of keeping maybe any negative emotions that he's felt compelled to express uh, Wilson's done a nice job of keeping those down. And I think he looks at the leadership of guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt and have been able to, you know, to do that. Now has Wilson Contreras broken a bat. Arenado has broken several bats out of frustration. Um, that's just within a game though. I don't think that carries from day to day for any of those guys. And so that's been, uh, that's been honestly good to see, but Jordan Hicks, I did want to bring that up because Wilson Contreras, man, if you saw his 
look on his face when he was talking about how different it was for Jordan Hicks tonight. He seemed convinced of it. And I'm not going to sing the guy's praises. Uh, we did finally get a chance to talk to Jordan Hicks after this one. He struck out the side uh, in his one inning of work tonight for the Cardinals. Lower leverage situation, obviously, um, but did look a lot better, did look different. And Wilson said there was one of the sinkers that was for strike three that it tailed significantly more than he expected. He said he wasn't doing that previously, and he wasn't doing that in spring training. Like that's I, He saw a different Jordan Hicks, and that's the guy that's actually catching him. So I, I tend to believe him when he says it. And Jordan said, you know, maybe some of it was just kind of getting a little lax in terms of the effort of his preparation. Talking about doing his long toss, doing his in-between work, uh, the stuff that doesn't happen out there on the mound, but it's kind of an adage of practice like you play. And by his own admission tonight, Jordan Hicks said he really hadn't been practicing like he plays. And I, you know, we were kind of trying to get at it. I asked him if some of the conversations he had with the team um, sort of were, were able to allow him to pinpoint certain things ab- about the process that wasn't going his way. And that's when he came up with the answer of, yeah, I, just some of his in-between work. He mentioned long toss. He mentioned just his preparation maybe not giving it 100%. And, like, there's a difference of going through the motions, you're still doing your job, you're still doing your work to prepare, but you're not giving it the intensity that you would give it when you're in a game. And I feel like that's what Jordan Hicks was articulating, that he felt himself getting away from that. And, uh, you know, I asked him if it was one of those deals where it might sometimes take a struggle to to bring you back into reality of, hey, here's what I need to do that makes me successful. And he, he didn't really want to dwell on the, the things that had been going on because he feels like he's in a new spot right now. But he said, yeah, it's just, you know, you got away from it and uh, not able to articulate any particular reason why it happened. But, uh, you, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of last year, right? With Adam Wainwright, toward the end of the year, he had the struggles, and then he figured it out by looking at video of what the stride length and the issues he was having. But it was too little too late by then. And he said, I got lax with my video work, and I took it for granted. And it's not going to happen again. I think Jordan Hicks may have had his, yeah, I kind of took for granted where I was and what was going on in my career and just assumed I would be able to to make it happen. Now, you'd like to see him maybe have that wake-up call a little bit sooner um, because there were a lot of outings where he keeps allowing the first runner to reach base or whatever the case might be. It took him a while to snap back into it. But as long as he has, I think the Cardinals are going to be a lot better for it. I don't think after tonight you're just immediately going to rush him back into leverage, but I could say within a couple of weeks, if he has two or three more good outings like that, it it may be a case as simple as Jordan Hicks has fixed it. Um, we're not there yet. You need to see more from him to, to have that sample size, but he definitely looked different tonight. Wilson Contreras sounded different in the way he talked about him and said, like, I didn't see that guy at spring training. I don't know where he came from. And so just kind of like giddy almost at the notion of, I knew Jordan Hicks had good stuff, but like, I saw a different version of that stuff tonight. Now I find it finally clicked. I think for Wilson Contreras is the impression I got from watching him talk about the outing by Hicks and Hicks in his own right. Uh, didn't want to dwell on the, the issues that had taken place. Um, but I think he's going to be a lot more of a confident pitcher on the mound moving forward, which the Cardinals could absolutely use. So that's the one other thing I wanted to mention from tonight. Yes. Oh, two in the series is a bummer. The Cardinals are going to try to get it done on Wednesday afternoon to push stadium. It's a day game. And uh, they're going to be looking for every way to be able to leave Bush Stadium with a W. Um, they do face a pretty good pitcher. He's got a pedigree. You might have heard of him. It's Madison Bumgarner. But he has struggled so far this season. So, yes, it's a lefty. Yes, that probably means that Dylan Carlson will be in the lineup. I have no idea what that means uh, in terms of, you know, Tyler O'Neill probably in there. Uh, I assume it'll be no Alec Burleson, but that still doesn't make it completely. Maybe it's no Lars Newpar. Maybe Newpar gets a day off. Um, and, and they go Carlson in center, 
Tyler O'Neill in left, Jordan Walker in right. I, that's a possibility. It depends on maybe what the status of Donovan would be, um, but that is another lefty, so they may not try to rush him back after the little bit of an injury setback for him. Maybe you end up seeing uh, Modern. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how the, the Cardinals align it, um, but I think they'll try to stack as many righties for the most part in that lineup as they can against Bumgarner and Jake Woodford with a big opportunity. What could be his last start potentially, um, it kind of lines up on the Wainwright day, right? Um, but if he does well, maybe he at least holds on to a bullpen spot. Kind of have to wait and see how that shakes out. But for the Cardinals, they just need him to do well so they can try to get the win in this game and, and avoid the sweep against Arizona. So we'll talk about it Wednesday night. I'll be back with another B-Shape Daily. Maybe I'll do a live episode since it'll be after a day game. It would be uh, in the evening. Let me know at B-Shafer12 on Twitter or tell me on YouTube. Reply in the YouTube comments to this video if you want to see a live video more often, because sometimes I don't know people, you like the podcasts more, you like the pre-made videos more, you like the live videos. What do you prefer in terms of your interaction level? Um, everybody might be different on that, but I want to do some live videos too. We've got another road trip coming up. And so uh, more of the content you see may be coming from live. So make sure the notifications on YouTube are on and uh, that way you won't miss anything. So appreciate you guys so much for joining me as always. Make sure once again, you're subscribed on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And check out the Patreon if you'd like to support my show in that way and all the content that I'm doing over there. Um, not a ton of content on Patreon right now, but it's kind of an extension of all the stuff we're doing here if you wanted to support it. It's patreon.com slash bshafer12. Thank you guys so much for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time on bshafe Daily. Peace!